Romans chapter 8. Let's do Romans chapter 8 today to begin with, to kick it off. And I want to look at verses 5 through 14. You ready to hear the word today? All right. Good to have all the visitors here. Those of you who are here for the first time. Amen. Those of you who have returned. All right, verse 5, Romans chapter 8. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, come on dwells in you he who raised christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you therefore brethren we are not debtors uh, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you uh you put to death the deeds of the body you will live for as many Wraps it up right here. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they, these are the sons of God. Amen. Now, today I want to talk about evidence of living the Spirit-filled life. What is the evidence of living the Spirit-filled life? What should be the fruit that is manifested in your life as a Christian when you are led by the Holy Spirit? I hear many Christians sometimes or people say, it's too hard to live the Christian life. Have you ever heard anyone say that before? Well, I found out in my experience with people that the ones that say that, they never pick up the Bible during the week. Come on. They never feed on it. They never read it. They never study it. They don't have a prayer life with God. Their inner circle of friends are not believers. Hello, somebody. So they have the wrong people influencing them all the time. Those are the ones that I hear saying that most of the time. Now, when a person gets saved or also called born again by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of that person's spirit man. In fact, it is the spirit of man that gets saved, not the soul or the body. Did you know that? Because the real you is a spirit. You are a spirit. You possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a physical body. The day you take your last breath, your spirit man's going to leave that shell that I am looking at right now. And that shell I'm looking at. That pretty old flesh is going to go back to the dust. The real you is a spirit. 
that is going to live on forever. Somewhere. Heaven or hell. Depending on if you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life or not. So the Holy Spirit, when you get born again or you make Jesus Lord of your life, He comes into your spirit man. He washes away that sin nature in your spirit man. Are you following me? That sin nature was passed down to every human that comes into this earth because of Adam and Eve's sin. So, by faith in what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection, he takes our sins away and he gives us his righteousness. He puts us back in right standing with God. That enmity before you made Jesus Lord of your life, that enmity of sin, you were an enemy of God. And it's taken away through the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in him. Are you following me? And that is called regeneration. Regeneration. The Holy Spirit comes in and he rearranges some things in your life. He He kicks some things out. Are you hearing me? So the Holy Spirit then comes in to make his home in your spirit, man. To help you live a life that is pleasing to God. And that can overcome sin. Because listen to me. If you're an unbeliever today, you have not made Jesus Lord of your life. You you can't do enough good works to earn your way to heaven. Anything you try to do outside of faith in Jesus Christ is called dead works. Because you still have that sin nature. That sin nature. Can a Christian sin? Yeah, he can. But the nature, that sin nature is washed away. Are you following me? So uh, that's why... A person who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is no longer referred to as a sinner, but a child of the living God because of the sin nature. I didn't say a Christian can never sin. I said the sin nature is washed away. It's something you've got to do now with your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. You've got to renew your mind now. Are you following me? All right. Is it possible to live a life that overcomes sin? Of course it is. Or else God would not command it. Right? Now how can we do that? God, he not only commands us not to, to sin, live a life of sin anymore, once you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, but he does something to help us to do that. Go to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. If you do sin as a believer, you do have an advocate. You do have a lawyer in the heavenlies. Are you hearing me, somebody? 1 John 1, 9, which I'm going to talk about later on, all right? Aren't you glad we have that advocate? The lawyer pleading our case because of his shed blood. Amen? Ezekiel 36 26 through 27 here. Look at this. This is prophesying about the new birth experience. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of, uh, the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. He's saying, look, when you come... To the Savior. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of you. That no more that you're not going to have 
Well, really, when you get born again, something happens on the inside and there should be fruit. Your desires should change. Your, come on, your desires should change. He said, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit and I'm going to help you overcome in this life. You don't have to live how the world lives. Are you hearing me, somebody? So God has done and is doing everything he can do to help us live a victorious life. Now the thing is this. I found out in the word and in personal experience that the Holy Spirit is not the doer. He's the helper. Many Christians are, are, are expecting the Holy Spirit to be the doer. No, the Bible says in James that we are to be doers of the word. But we have the helper alongside of us to help us do the word. Well, whatever happens, just happens. If it happens, it must be the will of God. Baloney. The Holy Ghost is the helper and we must cooperate with him. So if a person says that the Christian life is too hard... They simply aren't tapping into the word of God. They're not tapping in to the power of the Holy Spirit. They're being lazy. Are you hearing me? They are what the Bible calls carnal. They are being led by the world. They're being led by the flesh. And they're being led by the devil and not the Holy Spirit of God. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119, verse 11. He said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Think about that. I see a key here, people. That we need the word of God hiding in our heart or else we're not going to have any boundaries in our life. God's word sets the moral boundaries in our life. And it's not because that he's just, uh, you know... Uh, Wants to spank us every time we mess up. or it, No, it's not. God's word or his boundaries is our pro protection zone. It's our protection zone. Say protection. Say God's commandments are there to protect me. Because there are spiritual laws that are on this earth right now. And if you violate those spiritual laws, there is a price to pay. There's a consequence to pay. Say consequences. We know that there's the law of gravity, right? We respect the law of gravity, don't we? Most people anyways. But why aren't we respecting God's word? As much as the law of gravity. Because we're not maintaining a spiritual perspective. By keeping and hiding the word in our heart. On a daily basis. It's got to be a daily basis. We always need a refill of God's word. We always need to be put in remembrance of God's word. So the fact is. Those carnal Christians. They have not been renewing their mind with the word of God according to Romans 12. They're not being transformed by the word of God, but they're being conformed to the world. Remember what I said the word conform means? It means to be squeezed into the mold 
How many of you know that there is a squeeze in this world system? There is a mold that the world system that Satan wants you and I to conform to. But we're not going to do it, right? Come on. There is a squeeze going on. So when you got saved, your spirit man gets born again. You have the life of God, the Zoe life of God on the inside of your spirit man. Did you know that eternal life begins at the point that you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Eternal life just doesn't begin for the Christian when you get to heaven. Eternal life begins at the point that you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. We can be partakers of the divine nature, the Bible says, in 2 Peter chapter 1. So if your mind is not renewed with the word of God, which is our part to play, the only other option is that you will conform to the beliefs and the actions of this world system and the flesh. I preached a message a while back called On Purpose Christianity. The default nature is falling into the flesh. And if you're going to live a holy life for God, a life that's pleasing to him, it better be on purpose. Because it sure in the heck doesn't happen by accident. So we're being, if, if you're not renewing your mind, the only other option is you're being conformed to the beliefs and actions of this world system. Which, by the way, the leader of this world system in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, is Satan. He is called with a small g, the God of this world. He's talking about the world system, this evil world system that we're in. This world system that believes it's okay to murder the unborn. Are you hearing me? Etc., etc. I mean, you can see there's a world system that's totally anti-Christ. Just turn on the TV for a moment. Go into a public school and mention the name of Jesus Christ. Come on. You'll find out real quick what I'm talking about. You'll find out real quick the great divide. Many people on this earth are calling themselves Christians. They put the name tag on. But there, is there any evidence to confirm that confession? Is there evidence to confirm it? Or are we just, just supposed to take the bait and believe everything? Everyone who calls himself a Christian, are we just supposed to believe it? What's the problem with that? Someone can call themselves a Christian and think and promote abortion, promote homosexuality. And then the world looks on him and say, well, he calls himself a Christian and he believes it's okay. Must be okay. Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. Don't swallow the bait of Satan. Mm. And don't even throw that word judge out. Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. My point is this. How do you know whether... <laughs> Come on, do I have to go here? I mean, how, how do you know? How do you know not to hang out with someone? How are you supposed to know if someone's a false prophet? Obviously, there's some judgment calls that need to be done. Amen. You got to determine. Yes. 
Is there fruit here to back up their, of what they're saying? That they're a Christian. Is there really fruit? Because Paul said, come on. Someone who was in the, in the fornication and all this stuff. He said, don't even eat with that person. Oh, how many times would we get the word judge thrown at us for that? Don't, don't, hey, don't, don't judge, don't judge. No, Paul said, your judgment stinks. Said that person ought to be cast out of the church. Oh, man, oh, boy, boy, boy. Come on, somebody. That is if they're not repentant. Are you hearing me? Uh, you know, let me ask you this. And I just ask this just for all of us to consider. If we were put on trial for being a Christian, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict us? If we were in front of a jury and all the evidence came, would a jury say, they're Christian? Or would they say, there's nothing to back up what you're saying? Oh my. I mean, just the very phrase, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ should indicate that we are to live a life that's honoring to him. A life that will glorify him. Amen? A follower means 24-7. You're living a life that's pleasing to him. You're pursuing that. You're pursuing that. Not just Sunday mornings, but you're pursuing it. You're conscious of the fact of there's things in my life that are not pleasing to God. You're conscious of it, and you're willing to make changes. We are not perfect. How many of you figured that out? And I'm not preaching about perfection here. Are you hearing me? But I'll tell you what this right now, God knows your heart. He knows whether or not that that sin, that that's a pet sin and you want to stay in it or if you really want out of it. Amen. And if you really want out of it and there is that, that bondage there, I mean that, that deep, get help for it. Come on, get counseling for it. Let's do something. Let's get this junk out of our life. Amen. So, you don't have to answer to me, you answer to God, because God's the one that knows your heart. Amen. There's a terrible misconception or deception in the body of Christ today. Some, some think that their Christian life is separate from their job, separate from other areas of their life. But I'll tell you right now, Jesus never intended it to be that way. Never. He never, never intended it to be in one compartment here. Here's another compartment. Oh, you know, okay, now put on this happy face on Sunday. Um, No, 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 no. The fact is that our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our faith in the Word of God should be integrated in every area of our life. And and the alternative, alternative to that is dead religion, which is vain. It's useless. Are you hearing me? For some reason, I just feel like touching on this. How about the idea of separation of church and state? Huh? 
Come on, I'm talking, I'm talking about, I'm talking about issues here. I'm talking about some Christians who think that their life, their Christian walk is separate from all other, other areas. Well, I, 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 there's one thing I can't stand. Sometimes I turn on the TV, you know, look at Fox News, and I see individuals on there with the term Rev in front of their name, but I've never heard them preach the gospel once. In fact, I see that they're promoting abortion, homosexuality, and the liberal agenda. Are you hearing me, somebody? The idea of separation of church and state is a perversion from Satan. It never was meant to be that way. Are you hearing me? This is what happens. Issues such as abortion, come on, prayer in public school, they're turned into a political issue in the world's view instead of a religious issue. Follow me. So then liberal groups such as the ACLU, they try to blow the whistle when churches and Christians try to get involved. They say, hey, this is a political issue. Separation of church and state. You see how the devil twisted around? I'm not going to fall for that. And you shouldn't either. We need to be involved in every aspect. Every aspect. Our faith in the word of God needs to dictate our life 24-7. And if it doesn't, there's some evaluating of your life that needs to be done this morning. All right? But we as Christians, we do need to get involved in these moral issues that's plaguing this world and God's plan. We need to. Some, someone says, yeah, well, you know, but things have to be played out. But still, Christians need to stand for righteousness. And if you're not standing for something, you're going to fall for everything. Are you hearing me? Stand for the word of God. Stand on the word of God. Amen? So God's intent is for us to take his message outside of these four walls. Being a Christian is 24-7 duty. Not just a duty, but an honor. If you don't view being a Christian as an honor, brother, sister, something's wrong. There's a short in the system. The other alternative is that you just become a child of the devil again and you go to hell. And thrown into the lake of fire for eternity. So, you know, I mean, that, that's, your, that's your two choices right there. Your choice. But Romans 8, 14 says that those that are led by the Spirit of God or led by the Holy Spirit are the sons of God. If you are a son of God through Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Amen? You are one of His children. And it's interesting in Ephesians 5.1. Ephesians 5.1 tells us to be imitators of God as dear children. Think about this. It says be imitators of God as dear children. What are we supposed to uh, imitate? God's holiness. God's love. Are you hearing me somebody? God's forgiveness. Living by our heavenly father's standards. Or commands that are in the Bible. Jesus said these words. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. See, a good child is obedient to his parents. Amen? It is no different in the spiritual with God. We are to live life according to his word. Now, so let me just give you just some short things. What are some 
what is some evidence here? The first piece of evidence of living a spirit-led life is that you will desire to obey God's commandments. You'll desire. If you're being led by the Holy Spirit, if you're being led by your born-again spirit, you're going to have a desire for the things of God. All right? So now, Romans 5 says that the love of God, when you're born again, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So what then does the love of God motivate us to do as Christians? Go to 1 John 5. I read this last week, but it just fits so well. I think the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us something. Amen? Amen. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. It says, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the, underline this, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, number one, and his commandments are not burdensome, number two. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Remember last week? Overcoming the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So what what does the love of God motivate us to do? It motivates us, number one, to keep his commandments. If you don't have that, you're not walking in the love of God. Number two, the love of God motivates us or, or that his commandments are not burdensome. If you feel like doing the right thing, living according to God's standards is burdensome, it's a drag, you're not walking in the love of God. And then the love of God ultimately, it says our faith The love of God in us will help us to overcome the world through Jesus Christ. The world system, overcome sin, overcome all the junk on this earth. There's a lot of junk on this earth, isn't there? I'm telling you, don't get too comfortable on this earth. If you're too comfortable with the things of the world, check yourself before you wreck yourself. For all you rappers out there. Yeah. I love it. Check yourself, not rap, I love the same. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Maybe Christian rap, all right? But as a Christian, you should get excited about the Word of God. You should have a hunger to get to know Him more and what His desire is for you, for His child. It goes beyond religion. It goes beyond rituals, but into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and desiring to please Him. Look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1. We're getting back on the right track. Amen? We've got to get back on track. If you're off track, get on track. Come on. Feed on the word. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this. Blessed is the man or person, you could say, 
who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't take advice from ungodly people. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Don't go in the way of the sinner. Don't do it. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Notice his delight. Delight, his joy, his pleasure, he draws from it. Is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law he meditates day and night. So what happens when you delight in the word? And you meditate in his word day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. That brings forth fruit in its, in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. Delighting in the word. Feeding on the word. Is profitable for you and I. You understand that? It's profitable. We do it because we love him. But. Brothers, sisters, it's profitable for us. And if you're going in the way of the world, you're settling for some bad junk. You're settling for the sewer water and not the living water of the Holy Ghost. A Christian should be thinking of the Word of God every day. We have to. If we're going to live a life that's pleasing to God, come on. Hide His Word in your heart that we might not sin against Him. The second piece of evidence of a spirit-led life is that you will, and this ties into it, but I just felt like I need to go here, is that you will respect and you will honor God's word. There are some people who call themselves Christians that think that the Bible is just a good book that is written by man. I have heard some people who call themselves Christians who said, you know, I, I think, the Apostle Paul made it a little too complicated. Are you hearing me, people? Are you, hello, are you awake? Are you awake? This is someone who calls himself a Christian. I think the Apostle Paul made it a little too complicated. Well, first of all, the author is the Holy Ghost. Not the Apostle Paul. Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Word of God is infallible. Perfect. Not one contradiction in it. And if you read two scriptures that, that look like, man, something done. You know what the problem? The problem is not with the Word. Your problem's with your understanding. But what do most people do? Oh, see, this contradicts itself. Because they're too stinking prideful to admit, I just don't know it all. Are you hearing me? <laughs> oh. We, we, mm. Pride. Pride stinks. Pride sucks. The spiritual life out of you. There, I finished it. Pride sucks the spiritual life out of you. The Bible is the word of the living God. Again, it's infallible. Perfect unity from Genesis to Revelation. Perfect. And simply put, God used man. God used people to write his word on paper. His word is settled forever in heaven. He just simply used man to put his word on paper for you and I. 
We need to respect. We need to honor the word of God. We need to exalt the word of God in our lives. It is our standard by which we live. Come on. Amen. It is the foundation on which we stand. I mean, if you have a problem with this book, you cannot call yourself a Christian. You're not born again if you have a problem with this book. I don't care how many sinner prayers you prayed. If you, if you let words come out of your mouth that pull down and try to take away or add to the word of God, you're still a child of the devil. Amen? Go to 2 Timothy 3. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17. I, I, I spoke about, I want to show you in the word of God where it says it. <clears throat> the word of God confirms itself. The word of God interprets itself. Are you hearing me? It, this book is supernatural. It's supernatural. Look at this. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, or you, you could even say the people of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is profitable for doctrine. That means teaching. You want to know who God is? This is the only place you're going to find out. Okay? For reproof. For cutting. You know what reproof means? You ready for this? This goes over pretty well uh, these days. in these days. A, a reproof is a cutting rebuke for misconduct. See, I told you. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, next, it's good for correction. How many of you know we all need correction? We get off track, we get a little derailed here, boy, we need a little correction, an adjustment, attitude adjustment, amen? amen. For instruction in righteousness. You want to know what righteousness is? The only instruction you're going to find on righteousness on this earth is in the word of God. You're not going to find it anywhere else. None. And it says, so that you, the Christian, may be complete. And thoroughly equipped for every good work. The fact of the matter is, if you're not feeding on the word of God, if you're not hiding the word of God in your heart, you're not complete. You're, you're not equipped for every good work. You're not thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? Don't think that you can live the Christian life apart from the Bible. Come on. And I'm even going to say, don't think that you can live the Christian life victoriously apart from gathering together with the saints at church. I don't know if you know it or not, but the assembly of yourselves together, church was God's idea. Not man's, contrary to unscriptural belief. Are you hearing me? I mean, come on, if, if someone has a problem with coming into a, a church service or something like that, um, either, number one, they, um, they're not born again, 
Or number two, we got to cast some devils out of that person. Are you hearing me, somebody? There's some big-time bondage there. Because gathering of ourselves together is God's idea. So don't think you can live the, uh, a victorious Christian life apart from the Word of God. Apart from gathering together with the other saints. That is like saying you want to live life without water and oxygen. It just doesn't make sense and it's impossible. So the Holy Spirit is the author of the, of the Bible. He's the author of the Bible. And you know what he always does? He will always point us back to it. The author of the Bible will always point us back to his book. That's why Jesus said, you know, when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to bring all things, what I said to you, to your remembrance. Well, John 1, 1, Jesus is what? The Word. He was the Word made flesh. Right? You got a problem with the Word? You got a problem with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, if you're living a Spirit-led life, you're going to respect, you're going to have a love for the Word of God, you're going to honor it, you're going to exalt it in your life. You will defend it in your workplace and everywhere you go. It is your standard for living, period, end of story. We're released now, thank you. Number three. The third piece of evidence of the Spirit-led life is that you will have a desire to grow spiritually. I mean, think about it. Yeah, you will. The Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, listen. Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they love you where you're at right now, don't they? But they love you enough not to keep you where you are. Because we are in a process, the Bible says, going from glory to glory to glory to glory. There's a work that's being done in you. And you and I, we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let that work take place. Amen? God doesn't want you to stay where you, where you were when you got saved. In fact, the moment you get born again, that's the beginning of a cleaning up process in your life. Think about it. It's the beginning of the cleaning up process. Because when you're a dirty sinner, when you're an unbeliever, a child of the devil, you can't get cleaned up. You're dirty, you're filthy. The, the moment it starts is when you make Jesus Lord of your life. So now we have people who come into the body of Christ. They get saved. And, and they'll hear a message like this. And they, they'll, you know, some people who, who honestly are trying and, and, and they're trying to deal with stuff. They dealt with a lot of emotional issues from the past. They come in, they hear a message like this, and they, immediately they feel, I'm condemned. I'm condemned. I, I don't know if you knew it or not, but when, when you first get saved, you bring a lot of junk with you into the church. Trust me, as a pastor, I see it. Amen? Not only in my own life, but I see it. On a broader scale. Amen? So no, we're not perfect. But again, what it always comes back to. You don't fall into condemnation. Listen to me. What it comes back to is that God knows your heart. And if you truly want to live for him. That's what it comes down to. That's my disclaimer of preaching a hardcore message like this. 
God knows your heart. Amen? You can get mad at the messenger. You can throw stones. Listen, but God knows your heart. In fact, if you're being led by the Holy Ghost, you're going to hear a message like this. And even with the faults in your life right now, you're going to be rejoicing on the inside because you're going to have a desire to move forward with God. If you're sitting there and you're hearing this message and you're getting all angry and bothered at me for preaching this, there's pride in your heart. I'm just telling you that right now. There's pride in your heart. And you're in a backslidden condition. Or you're not saved. I I mean, that's between you and the Lord. Amen? It's one or the other. One or the other. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. I told you, pride sucks. The spiritual life out of you. Amen? It does. Let's just go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. It says, and I, brethren, brethren, Christians, could not speak to you as, spirit, as to spiritual people, but as to, here it is, carnal, as to babes in Christ. How many of you know you don't become a know-it-all, a theologian overnight? I mean, in fact, you're not going to know everything. I mean, if you're... <laughs> You, you could be a Christian for 60, 70, 80, 100 years. You're not going to know everything. You understand me? Okay. I fed you with milk and not, and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? So here we have the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul is saying there's two classes of Christians here. You got your spiritual ones, you got carnal ones. Right? I mean, am I... These Christians were labeled carnal and immature Because they're allowing things to come into their walk with Christ that shouldn't be there. Amen? He says, in fact, he goes, there's some things that I want to tell you, but I can't tell you right now. Because you're not able to receive it. So there's spiritual carnal. My question for all of us, where do we fit in? Where do we fit in that category right now? Where do we fit in? 1 Peter 2. Almost done. Hang in there, all right? First Peter 2, 1 through 2. says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy. 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 Do you know that word hypocrisy in the Greek? Do you know what that literally means? To be an actor. My question is, I preach a message back, are you an ambassador or an actor for Christ? Think about it. Envy and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. That you may grow thereby. The milk of the word he talks about. 
Desire the pure milk of the word. What's he talking about? He's talking about build your foundation. That you may grow. Or that you may build on a strong foundation from the word of God. Say foundation. If your foundation is destroyed, the Bible says, what can the righteous do? There needs to be a foundation, right? We need to be found on, have a strong spiritual foundation because that's what we build on. If our foundation is weak, all the other parts of the puzzle are going to be weak. Amen? Look at Hebrews 6. Show you something real quick here. Hebrews 6, 1 through 3 says this. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again. He's talking about the basics of the Christian faith here. Things that every Christian needs a strong foundation on. Take note. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms. Not baptism. Baptisms, plural, more than one. Underline that. Of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and the end of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permits. So there's repentance from dead works, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, water baptism, Holy Ghost baptism, hello somebody. Laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, And if these basic principles of Christ are not built up in you, you won't be able to move on into the deeper things. In fact, in verse 3, it said, and this will we do. What will we do? Move on past the foundation if God permits. The fact of the matter is, if you're not built and grounded on these foundations, you're at a standstill. And God is saying, I want you to have these. I want you to have these strong in you. And it says, if these are strong in you, guess what? God's going to permit for you to go into the deeper things of God. That's why we get some people who get into wacky things. They're not even built up on the foundation, yet they're trying to study deeper things of God. And then they go in the ditch, spiritually. Amen? Foundations are not meant to be laid again, but to be built upon. Amen? A builder just doesn't keep laying the foundation. He builds the house on it. And the stability of that house is dependent upon the strength of that foundation. And the same is true in a spiritual sense. Your Christian life will only be as strong as your foundation upon the basic principles in the Word of God. So how do you know if you're growing spiritually? How do you know? You will be able to take scripture from the word, from, from the things, uh, verses from the Bible, and you'll be able to apply it to your life. You're applying the word of God. That's maturity. That's Christian maturity. Are you hearing me? You know that you're you're growing spiritually when you're not just hearing the word, but you're meditating upon it, and you're becoming a doer of the word. That's when you know that you're going forward with God. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. It even takes it a step further. 
It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, the basics. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or a baby in Christ. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If, if you're not feeding on the word of God, your discernment is going to be all out of whack. Your discernment is going to be all out of whack. Are you hearing me? All right, my last piece of evidence here. The fourth piece of evidence of a spirit-led life, and some of you need to listen up and listen close, is that when you mess up and sin, you will run back to God and not run away from Him. Oh, someone needs to hear this. Evidence of living a spirit-led life is when you mess, if you mess up, you sin, you violate the Word of God, you will run back to God and not run away from Him. The Holy Spirit will be right there pointing you back to the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? I don't, don't know if you found this out, but sin tends to make you want to hide from God in shame. It, it makes you want to withdraw. It, you know, Adam and Eve had knew something about that. When they tried to hide from God Almighty, come on. You need to run back to God and follow the instructions in the book. Look at 1 John 1, 9. As this is my last passage here. 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. Do you know what the word confession means? To agree with. To say the same thing as. It means humility. God, you know what? I did mess up. I confess it. I'm agreeing with your word. I violated your word. I messed up. What's the opposite of that? Is pride. You don't want to admit you're wrong. But the Bible says if you confess your sin. As a Christian. As a Christian. Hello somebody. Agree that you sinned, turn away from it. Confess and forsake the sin. There's another passage that talks about forsaking your sin. Amen? And now one thing you need to know, and this, when I heard this, when I learned this, uh, uh, one of my teachers at Rama Bible Training Center, told, he, he spoke this out of his mouth. And they hit me like, the t- like a ton of bricks. Never thought of it. But the Holy Ghost smacked me right in the face. Are you ready for this? That this scripture, when you do it, it creates a fact, not a feeling. Oh, guys, I'm telling you, that, that's a revol- that will revolutionize your life, your spiritual walk. Because many people are looking for a feeling. How many of you know when you sin and you mess up from God, there's that shame, there's the guilt there. Well, you can, you can follow that, you can confess your sin, you turn from it, yet you still hold on to the guilt, the shame. Are you, is someone following me? But 
The Holy Ghost spoke through my teacher at Rama Bible Training Center in Oklahoma. And he said, this scripture creates a fact and not a feeling. Because the whole Christian life is a walk of faith, not feeling. Now, you, you should come to the point in your Christian walk where your faith, come on, it, it, your faith should create a joy in you. Right? But how many of you know we have a real enemy? And when we mess up, we mess up, we sin. We were a traitor to the kingdom of God. And we come back, we, we, we follow the instructions in the book. We are one of our own worst enemies. We beat ourselves over the head. Number two, we have Satan and evil spirits who are going to try to throw those fiery darts. But you need to know that when you follow the instructions in the book and you mean it with your whole heart, it creates a fact and not a feeling. And that's why we can boldly run to the throne of grace and take hold of forgiveness for that sin. And we can start brand new as if it never happened. Amen? So today, I want you to examine your life to see... If you were put on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if not, it's time to make some changes in your life. It's time to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And if there's still breath in your lungs, it's not too late to make things right with God. Amen? And by the way, don't compare yourself to another person. The Bible says he who does that is not wise, but judge yourself according to the mirror of God's word. Let's stand up in this place. A fact, not a feeling. Now maybe there's someone in this place. You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today. And if you're not born again, I'm telling you, today, today is your day for salvation. Because you might not have another chance. You might go to sleep tonight. You might not wake up tomorrow morning. You might get in the car and you might find yourself in eternity after a car accident. Hello. Well, that's a bad confession. No, that's reality. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, never. And you're a child of the devil right now, but you want to make him Lord of your life. Meet me by this drum set, and I want to pray with you to have a new birthday, the born-again experience. Maybe there's someone in here. You're one of those who are backslidden. You've fallen away, and you know what? You want to rededicate your life. You really want to press in. Now, this message, the Holy Ghost spoke right to your spirit, man. He drove his, the sword of his word right through your heart, right through your conscience. If that's you and you want to rededicate, meet me by this drum set. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, it's Bible, not charismatic, meet me by that drum set. And I want to speak with you today. And I want to pray with you to receive the fullness of what God has for you. If you need a physical healing, emotional healing prayer for anything else meet me by the drum set the rest of you i'm opening up the altar if you want to come down and just seek the lord at the altar as the music plays go for it worship the lord as the music plays
have Mindy watching us. We have Mindy from Florida. Uh, let me see. For her mom's friend Jan, for healing over her whole body, she suffers from stage 5 migraines, migraines, unbearable pain, and numbness throughout her whole body. So, Lord, we all come into agreement. Stretch your hand toward that camera. Lord, we come in agreement with Mindy. We lift Jan up to you right now. And I command that devil that's attached to Jan's body to leave in Jesus' mighty name right now. Whatever is causing the migraines, I command it to come out. I command every chemical to be normal in Jan's body. I command feeling to come in every part. God, by your word, by your word right now, God, do it. In the name of Jesus, let your power and anointing, your presence, your glory surround and encamp Jan right now. And we speak wholeness and healing over her. Not in our word, but your word, Father, in Jesus' name. All right, uh, Melanie, Melanie Dunn, who actually who co- comes to RCC here, she's watching, and she needs prayer for healing over her entire body, that she has numbness, loss of appetite, and, and some other problems. So uh, she's going to be going uh, to the doctor on Friday. Let's stretch our hands right now. We, we need to pray this thing down in Jesus' name. Melanie, we lift you up right now. And Lord, I pray as we lift Melanie up that your presence and anointing would come down upon her. That every chain, every fetter from the enemy, from sickness, disease, would loose her right now and let her go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, right through that camera, let your power and anointing and let it penetrate every part of Melanie's body, soul, and spirit and bring wholeness to our sister. Wholeness to her. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted, shall be rooted up. And we command that appetite to come back. I command numbness to go. In the name of Jesus, I command all heaviness, every, every bit of oppression, every bit of depression, anything that comes with this thing, I command it to come out in Jesus' name and loose her and let her go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank you, those of you who are watching online. Make sure you tune in next Sunday right here, revivalchristian.org. God bless you. Hallelujah. What do you got? Oh, you. Here, get it right up to the microphone and let her talk there, Shashi, a minute for the youth. About 10 minutes, give you a break. I'd like any of the young people, the youth that would like to be involved with the youth choir to meet with me, and we're going to get some information and and start looking at uh, getting started in this program. Amen. All right. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday, 6 o'clock. We will see you Friday for evangelism, and then next Sunday. God bless you.